This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Uh, so I got a box of four different Magic Spoon cereals in the mail this week, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry, and it was uh, the highlight of my week. When I was a child, I was only allowed to eat nice cereal on the weekends because in those days they hadn't figured out how to make cereal both nice and healthy yet. Uh, so the past few days I've been able to defy my parents and delight my child at the same time just by eating Magic Spoon's amazing frosted flavor, which reminds me of the only two days out of every week that I was ever truly happy as a boy. Um, now, it doesn't say this in the copy here, uh, which is honestly a little bit irresponsible, um, but in the interest of safety, I do want to just kind of spell out for everyone uh, that you shouldn't just open every box you come across just because sometimes there's nice cereal inside it. Uh, for instance, the Lament configuration is also a box you can find. Uh, based on the very few Hellraiser movies I've seen, sometimes you have to spend a lifetime looking for it, but sometimes it's just hidden in the floorboards of your attic. And if you carelessly open that box, you will be introduced to a world of pleasure and pain beyond anything the human mind can imagine. Um, so I want to be really clear here. If you're certain that what you have is a magic spoon delivery box, do open that. It tastes amazing, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Uh, but if you think there's any chance at all that the box you have might be the Lament configuration from Hellraiser, don't open that. It doesn't taste like anything, and usually Pinhead and an army of ill-begotten abominations called Cenobites will come out of it and pull you into a labyrinthine dimension of torment and agony. Go to magicspoon.com slash babysitters to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code babysitters at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash babysitters and use the code babysitters for free shipping. Uh, we want to thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. And again, just so it's absolutely crystal clear delicious boxes of breakfast food that will take you back to your childhood yes diabolical puzzle boxes that will open a portal to an army of extra-dimensional beings who will mercilessly flay your flesh no be safe out there in 86 nm martin wrote the first book of what became a People have been sending us a lot of pictures yeah. of Marianne Spear. And every time they do, Marianne has a short bob cut. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what Marianne that is. Yeah. But it's not my Marianne Spear. No. She's got long hair down to her shoulders. Yeah. Why does everyone keep sending me these pictures of Marianne with a bob cut? Are they illustrations or? Yeah, they're illustrations, Jack. It turns out <laughs> Marianne Spears is a fictional character. All right, all right. No need to. But the She's woman real who to me. plays her in the movie, yeah. the young woman, has a short bob cut. Um, we read a good book today. Did we? Yeah. Babysitter's Club number 25. I really wish you would stop numbering. <laughs> I hate it. Because it's Babysitter's Club Club number like. 28. Princeton's own Anne Matthews Martin numbers the books. And if. Princeton's what did you say own, it was? 25? Yeah. <sighs> Jack. Yeah. This is the final countdown. We're 10 books from don't, the last canon. No, I don't want to. Like, I'm sorry. It's just my internal bias. I'm sorry it's I gonna introduced that. It's going to change. Things I, are going to change. No, they're not. I'm sorry I introduced that. I bet Marianne will have a short bob cut. 
Well, look, we can get Ann Matthews Martin. Who knows whether or not Mimi will be around? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Mimi is our rock here. Let's not cast aspersions. Um, Mimi was gone a little uh, off the rails this book. Yeah, she made a pretty funny joke. I don't think it was a joke. Are you sure? Let me read it. Yeah. We laid the poster on the bed, and the six of us leaned over to look at it. Mimi came in at that moment. What is picture? She asked. Mimi had a stroke last summer, and it's affecting her speech. It's Tigger, Claudia told her grandmother. He's missing, and we're going to help find him. Mimi looked puzzled. Eggplants, was all she said. Yeah. Then she left. It's a really funny joke. It's like absurdist, like Andy Kaufman. Maybe it's hilarious in the original Japanese. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it did make me a little nervous for old Mimi. No, she's fine. Going strong. Um, as I was saying, we read a book today. I think we should... Uh, you just quoted it. Yeah, you just quoted it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say something to the Baby Nation. You talk to Baby Nation a lot more than you talk to me these days. <laughs> did you know that? Mostly, mostly only in the context of this podcast. I guess, but like I edited the last episode and you address Baby Nation an awful lot. I feel like I have to. I often feel attacked and I feel like I have the full weight of Baby Nation standing behind me, mm, as you have previously not, stated. Not what I know to be true. <laughs> um, Baby Nation is firmly Team Tanner. Well, we can, we can have him vote. You, you know what you can do? You should send out a little poll on uh, on Twitter. You know what the better competition now is? What? We got a review this week. Mm-hmm. Is it too early to go into um, listener mail? Uh, no, go for it. Okay, well, we got a review on iTunes this week. Here's what it says. <laughs> the title, the subject, it's a five-star review, of course. <laughs> the subject is Beef with Beefsteak. Uh-oh. And it was written by Cheesesteak Jake. Wow. On August 2nd, 2016. Listen up, Beefsteak Jake. You may think you've hit the big time getting all the publicity a beef boy could ask for. What with hosts Tanner and Jack always shouting you out in the middle of their magnificent BSC, B-filled romp of a podcast. But I'm here to let you know that I'm coming for you. You haven't experienced a real tearful moment until you've dueled with old cheesesteak, Jake. Oh, wow. After I'm done with you, you're going to feel worse than when Stacy fo- and then it cuts off. <laughs> That's it? I just took a screenshot. <laughs> um, I'm sure I can go find the actual, but I'm not going to. Um, I liked what they were putting down about the podcast being a romp. And well, I tell you what, man. But I don't know if I love this. I'm going to start a hashtag movement. Slander of Beefsteak Jay. Yeah, me neither. I'm, yeah. I'm with Beefsteak. Yeah. Hashtag oh, I'm with Beefsteak. Oh, that's so good. I'm with Beefsteak. Yeah. All right. That can be our hashtag. Yeah. Is I'm it, with Beefsteak. Is Cheesesteak Jake as well? Cheesesteak Jake. If you're with Cheesesteak Jake, you can tweet, I'm with Cheesesteak. It's crazy. You would think that they would get along. You no. know? No, no, no. You'd think the Yankees like, and the Mets would get along too, but they don't. Like very similar family backgrounds. No. Um, hi, get, hi. Okay. And welcome to the Babysitters Club Club. My name is Tanner Greenring, and no, and my name is Jack Shepard. But normally I say hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitters. Oh man, I took you control. Can't, you just can't let it go. Huh? I can't let it go. What I say? No, I thought what you did was great. And I yeah. liked it a lot. Yeah. And I was just saying Dude, for people, notes? for new listeners. For Is there new, something I could have done better? No, it was good. Well, what I, I would, well, thanks for asking. I would have leaned in with a little more enthusiasm. Okay. Uh, hi, well, hi, and welcome mm. to the Babysitter's Club Club. No, you know, you, like you said. A weekly like, podcast in which I, Tanner Greenring. You sound like you're on like Face the Nation. Hello, Jack Shepard. <laughs> Talk about the seminal works of you know, American author Anne Matthews Martin. Like, this isn't Meet the Press, you know? This week, we discussed book 20-something. <laughs> this isn't NPR. 
what we're doing here is a fun-filled romp okay. through the classic works of Anne Matthews Martin, Princeton's own <laughs> Lady <familiar>. Matthews Martin. <laughs> um, hi, hi, and welcome. I'm Jack Shepard. I'm Tanner Kearney. And this week, we are talking about Beef Book 25. Jake. Okay. And Cheesesteak Jake. <laughs> the precocious rascal Cheesesteak Jake. Um, this week, this week in America, we read a book that is called Marianne and the Search for Tigger. Yep. And it was good. I loved it. Glowing recommendation from Jack Shepard. <laughs> hey, quick, print a new edition. Put right on the back. <laughs> Jack Shepard. Open quotation. Good. BSEC podcast host. <laughs> Jack Shepard says, Good. <laughs> Good. Maybe like three or four O's. Good. <laughs> it was a good one. Yeah, it was good. It was good. And Marianne's uh, are becoming some of my favorites, man. They're filled with intrigue and espionage and secrets and mystery. double crosses and mysteries. Oh, yeah. Last one, we had also crazy ransom notes, like daring chases through the night. It's no wonder Marianne is so prone to crying. Like, the world is after her. That's actually a really good point. Right. If you were just reading this divorce wall context, yeah. you might assume that she's seeing things. She's hearing voices. Right. It seems like the whole world is after her. The whole world is angry at her. Right. She's hearing meows in the middle of the night. <laughs> she's getting odd letters in the mail. Um, but, you know, it yeah. is not divorce from all context. Everyone else saw and heard these things as well. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's a fair point. But I do think that there is something to be said for the idea that she has a different experience of the world than all the other babysitters. Like, when it's like a Stacy POV, it's like... Oh, I'm, I'm boring. I have I'm, diabetes. I'm in New York. We went to the Hard Rock Cafe. And then when Marianne comes around, it's like, someone kidnapped my fucking cat. <laughs> Left a scrawled letter in their own blood. Our forensics analysis <laughs> yeah. showed us that it was indeed feline blood. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty intense. That's an interesting life to lead. And to your point... As she says in this book at some point, she's like, I'm a world champion crier. Yeah. I was a world champion crier in this book too, man. Oh, real? I'll tell you what. Ooh. Wow. I'm interested to hear that. That's a segment, but it's not the first segment we like to do. Is it, Tanner? No. This is a segue. The first segment that we like to do is a segment in which I describe briefly for the baby nation. In one sentence, no less... And many more. Yeah, than one sentence. Than one sentence. I describe what happened in this book. Then I'm going to put 60 seconds on the timer yeah. and have you fill in the details. I know. I know how it works. You know how it works. Don't tell me how it works. I know how it works. I feel like you often go off the rails with it. So you often go off the rails. No, nope. I'm going to describe this book in one sentence. I believe it when I see it. A ruthless con artist. A precocious, sinister child. And a dark figure with an ever-present grin that never quite reaches his eyes. (laughs) One of these three has stolen from an innocent girl the one thing she can't live without. Her dearest friend and constant companion. But as Marianne is pulled deeper and deeper into the web of lies that stands between her and her missing friend, the only thing she knows for certain is that nothing is as it seems. With the stakes as high as they've ever been, Marianne embarks on the adventure of a lifetime. But the more she searches, the more she comes to fear exactly who or what she's going to find. Marianne and the search for Tigger. 
Whew, that gave me chills just kind of reliving that. Yeah, me too. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm going to put 60 seconds on this clock. I want some details out of you because there's kind of a lot that happened in this book. Tigger goes missing. Tigger goes missing. That's the through line. That's the through line. I'm not even sure I'm going to have time to get to that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 60 seconds starting now. Okay. Tigger goes missing. Um, Marianne and the Babysitter's Club go looking for them. Uh, Logan is being uh, icy to Marianne and the Babysitter's throughout this search. He doesn't seem to care that Tigger's gone missing. He doesn't care about Marianne's feelings at all. Uh, at some point, Marianne receives a ransom letter in the mail that says, we've got your cat, leave $100 under the old boulder in Barrett's field, and we'll give him back to you. The uh, Babysitter's Club and Logan set up a sting operation where they watch the rock. They put, the, they put Monopoly money in an envelope and leave it under the rock. Uh, it turns out that it was a local boy who saw them putting up the signs who just wanted to make a quick cash grab. It turns out that Logan's own sister, something... Carrie. Carrie had the cat all along. She wanted to prove that she was responsible and she did not know it was Marianne's cat. Um, it turns out that Logan was being so icy because he is and in, that's le- time. in league with the demons and he is, <laughs> he is Satan reborn on Earth. Wow. Oh, yeah. and, and doing poorly in baseball. Let's see if we can pull out a few specific things he says. Um, Marianne's beloved cat, Tigger. Yep, 15 inches long. Tigger, 15 inches long. Answers to the name Tigger. Yeah, beautiful baby boy goes missing. 15 inches is long. That's not a kitten. 15 inches is like... Let's not not get hung up on... That's not a kitten anymore. Jenkins is like 15 inches. Yeah, where's Jenkins? Jenkins! No, don't don't get the cat. Don't... Buddy! Jenkins! Jenkins! (laughs) Nobody wants. Nobody wants to listen to. We have to, to measure you. Listen to a podcast that's you like calling for and then measuring my cat. Uh, it's just not. Here, it's like a him. bad concept. It's a bad concept. Do you have like a tape measure? We can measure him after. We can. I'll tell you what. We'll measure him after. We'll post it on. We'll Facebook post it on. Page. We'll post it on the Facebook page. Okay. Marianne's cat goes missing. Yep. Here's what Logan says. Marianne is like, "This is the literal worst thing that has ever happened to me in my entire fucking life." Yeah, I captured that. Um, you know what's happened to Marianne before in her life? Yeah. One of her two parents, her mother, died. <laughs> yeah, true. But if Jenkins went missing, yep. it would be worse than if anyone else in my life went missing. What about me? And what about me? Anyone else. I'm one of your closest friends. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you went missing, here, here's what I will, I will say. Yeah. If you went missing, yeah. I would gather six of my closest friends. Uh-huh. We would put up signs. All over the fucking neighborhood. Offer $30. I would have maybe Andrea, who drew our Babysitter's Club club promo art. Yeah. Um, maybe I'd have her. just take it right out of the promo art. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I would, yeah. And as did Marianne and her friends, I would scrape together a lot of money and uh, put, put out a $30 award. Yeah. So don't, don't say I never did anything for you. That's what my life is worth to you, $30? Yeah. Thirty dollars, nineteen eighty-eight money, or yeah, thirty dollars. Yeah, yeah we're money. talking. We're talking like adjusting for inflation. We're talking like forty-seven fifty. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah, I bet some precocious young boy in the neighborhood would somehow try to thrift you out of that forty-seven fifty. Oh, I saw your friend. <laughs> Here's what Logan says. Oh, come on! Don't be so dramatic, Marianne. A lost kitten is sad, but aren't you overreacting a little? That's what he fucking says. Her fucking kitten goes missing. She's worried that he's dead. Here's another thing he says. Marianne, would you calm down? You're being so sensitive. You're acting like such a girl. Like, fuck you, Logan. 
And Marianne's like, first of all, what's wrong with being sensitive? Second of all, I am a girl. Right. And third of all, I just lost my fucking beloved cat. Like, fuck you, Logan. I captured that too, and the only note I wrote beside it was, what the fuck, Logan? Yeah, that's exactly what I wrote. I wrote, what the fuck, Logan? And then for the next one, I wrote, fuck you, Logan, you fucking sociopath. (laughs) He's just having a hard time out on the pitch. That's what he says. It's a real weak excuse. At the end of the book, he says, oh, I'm sorry I've been such a dick lately. I'm struggling on the baseball team. The coach doesn't seem to like me. I think I need to quit the baseball team. Yeah. And it's really soured my mood lately. Yeah. And that doesn't add up, right? Like, you're having a bad few days in baseball practice. Right. That's not commensurate with telling your girlfriend that she needs to stop acting like such a girl when she's having the literal biggest crisis of her entire life, as stated by her and as corroborated by us here on the BSCC podcast. Right. Um, The baseball thing is weak. There's something else going on. Yep. Uh, yep. And when they catch the little kid who writes a ransom note for Tigger, yep. the kid writes a ransom note. He's like, bring me $100. Well, I mean, it starts with when they're hanging up the posters, Marianne turns around and there's a young boy watching her hang up the poster. And he says, what's that? She says, oh, it's a missing poster. My cat's missing. And he's like, I saw your cat. Yeah. She was like, really? Yeah. He's like, yeah. yeah. Gray, tiger stripes, 15, 15 inches, inches long. long. Yeah. <laughs> And she was like, all the information, conspicuously enough, happens to be listed on the poster you're hanging yeah, right now. Yeah, exactly. Kid's like, can I get that 30 bucks now? Yeah. For that information? Like, it was kind of fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out that was the kid yeah. who set up this She gets this grift. freaky fucking ransom note that's right. like, bring me $100 and leave it under a rock in Barrett Park, or you'll never see your cat alive again. Right. And they set up a sting. Logan catches the kid. He doesn't have the fucking cat. He's just trying to get 100 bucks out of him. And he says to the kid, you know what you did is a felony? And then here's what Marianne says. I have no idea whether this is true, since Logan makes things up pretty easily. But it sure sounded good. You know who else can make things up pretty easily? The devil. The fucking prince of lies. (laughs) (laughs) I had that captured as well as my baller of the week. (laughs) My baller of the week this week was Logan for making up that lie. And then just like continuing it on. The kid was like, "Uh, it is? And Logan was like, yes. And in the state of Connecticut, it's punishable by 25 to 50 years in the slammer. Even for juvenile offenders. Yeah. And Marianne was just in like, oh, yeah, now I knew he was bullshitting. Yeah, yeah, it's good. That was fucking baller. Um, My baller of the week is in that same moment, the grifter kid. who Look, Baby Nation, I'm not encouraging blackmail. I am specifically not encouraging you to go out and steal people's cats. Yeah. I don't like it. It's a crime. It's against the rules. However, the way this awesome shitty kid tries to get out of it is pretty baller. Marianne is like, where's Tigger? Tigger? The boy repeated. And then she's like, you mean you can't remember those posters you watched me put up? Oh, stammered the boy. Yeah, those posters. Now I remember Tigger is a missing uh, skunk. (laughs) It's all smoke and mirrors with this. (laughs) Did you, you were a rascal as a kid. Uh, Nominally. I was a rascal as a kid too. Yeah. I was, I think, a little less grand larceny and a little more fun class clown of a rascal than you okay well but i would get in trouble every now and then Mm -hmm. do you know what my go-to move was when a teacher caught me chucking pencils into the ceiling of band (laughs) class what and stuff like that so this happens to this kid they say what's your name he's like why do you want to know yeah my response always was i would just name the first kid i could think of (laughs) like my name is uh brady spencer Like, all those fuckers are, like, languishing in jail to this day. 
<laughs> just rum and free. Yeah. Brady Spencer would get called down there like, why are you chucking pencils in the ceiling at band class? He's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> we got you on tape. <laughs> That's good, man. I'm going to try that with the HR department at work. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of batteries have gone missing from the supply closet. What's your name? Uh, Tanner Green Ring. Uh, so there you go. That was my baller of the week. My yeah. baller of the week was Logan. Yeah. We're really giving it to this kid. <laughs> While we're talking about this particular segment of the book, mm-hmm. moments later, they reveal to the kid, who knows nothing about Ticker right. or where Ticker went, Yeah, they reveal to him that they grifted his grift, Yeah, and they show him that the envelope is full of Monopoly money, yeah. and he says, that? Fake money? And then Claudia says, it really goes to show, crime doesn't pay, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, everyone laughed except the boy who looked disgusted, and he says, uh, screw you, jerks, and they part and let him run away. Mm-hmm. This criminal is hoisted upon his own petard. Mm-hmm. And instead of doing anything about it, they're just like, got you. Go on your merry way. Does that remind you of the origin story of one Spider-Man, who then later would go on to rue the day that he let a criminal <gasps> with Uncle uh... escape him, who would then go on to shoot his beloved Uncle Ben? Uncle Ben. Yeah. That's, this, is, this kid, as far as we know, Jack, Yeah. this is the phantom phone caller. This kid is the crime boss of all of Stony Brook. Wow. Like, he's got the savvy. Like, yeah. he's pretty good. Well, we know the phantom phone caller is on the loose. He might be the phantom phone caller. He yeah. might be the original chain letter starter. Wow. From the last Marianne book. Never revealed. They just let him go. You know who Peter Parker's rock was? Uh, Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. You know who our rock is? Mimi Kishi. If yeah. Mimi Kishi, God yeah. forbid, ever yeah. dies, yeah. I don't think she ever will. Right. But if she does, yeah. I got your prime suspect number one right here. And it's this kid, the phantom phone caller, yeah. the chain letter sender, the kitten blackmailer. He's just the force of evil in Stony Brook. Whew. Well, the other force of evil in Stony Brook. I don't know if I... Should we go back to Logan or you want to try something a little a little lighter fare? Cause there's no, some... let's go back to Logan because I'm pretty sure that this kid's in fucking league with Logan. I don't believe Logan's shit about baseball. The one that I think is the main thing that we should probably talk about is a quote that I'm sure you wrote down as well, is when Logan catches the grifter in the park. Yep. Logan moved as quickly as a striking rattlesnake this is yet another anna martin thing yeah or it seems like it could be coincidence yeah but it just keeps happening over and over again over and, it's and like over every time yeah logan comes up he is compared to a snake yeah we've been talking about him as the snake in the grass yeah for a long time and anna martin as usual just gives us another little wink she says this one's for you jack and tanner yeah god i can't wait till we have her on i'm gonna oh. put her on blast Oh, she's going to be like... Let's talk about Satan's influence on your work. (laughs) What? (laughs) A, that's not what Ann and Martin sounds like. You know that. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) We can't. We can't. can't. Ann, I know you're listening. Libel her. (laughs) We love you. We do love you. And, And everyone in Baby Nation, God bless you, but stop trying to make Ann and Martin aware of this podcast. <laughs> hey, no, I'm into it. <laughs> no. I'm way into it. Everyone Please. just keeps like tweeting no. at her and they're like, Ann and Martin, you have to be on this show. Baby it's like, Nation. no, stop it. No, no, I don't want her to ever know I about this. strongly disagree. If you are in Tanner's camp, please stop because, you know, whatever. You should do what your best friend Tanner She's going to listen to three episodes if you're, of if it. If you're in Jack's like, camp, tweet at Ann and Martin. Dear Scholastic Lawyers, <laughs> shut this down. <laughs> Good. Great. 
<laughs> all the like 12 scholastic lawyers who are listening to this right now just like looked a little bit up from their notepads and then just like just like <laughs> they're all in a room with like stenographs <laughs> well that's most of what i have on logan yeah me too i do all right i gotta say it real quick do you notice that logan was described in this weird medieval apophatic enunciation by marianne no <laughs> I only understood one in three <laughs> words you just said, but and no. It brought to mind to me the language of negative theology, which is like early medieval theology around the idea that God is unknowable. Yeah. So you can't actually say God's name by saying who right. he is. It's like you can only say who G he is. G asterisk asterisk. Right. By saying what he isn't. Right. So that's what apophatic theology is, and this dates back to like pseudo Dionysius mm-hmm. and Saint John of the Cross a lot later, um, and like any number of the Cloud of Unknowing. The author of the Cloud of Unknowing was also sort of a subscriber to this particular yeah, yeah. form of theology. Of but the point is that you can only describe the deity in terms of a negation, where it's like God is not this, God is not that. Right. And Marianne, when she introduced Logan, she describes him as incredibly incredible. Right. Which is exactly that, right? Where it's like incredible means unbelievable. Right. But it's not just that Logan is unbelievable. It's like it's impossible that he should be there, right? But it's also impossible that it should be impossible that he should be there. And she describes him that way twice. When she first describes him, she's like, he's got incredible looks. He's got an incredible talent. He's got an incredible sense of style. It's like love. He is incredibly like the human mind cannot perceive. Yes. How good looking he is. Yes. And if it tried, it would go mad. It would go mad. It would be like <laughs> flaying your consciousness yeah. to understand for one second what it is that Logan is. Right. And l- the, later she just reasserts it. She just says, he's the incredibly incredible one. Remember? 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 <laughs> as if we had just immediately forgotten it as soon as it went into our consciousness. <laughs> we were like, we can never know this and we can never unknow this. Yeah. He is unknowable, but unknowably unknowable. There's a lot of ritual around Logan. Yeah. There's also a thing which just smacked of demonology to me, where Marianne is only allowed to spend 10 minutes on the phone with Logan at any given time. Mm -hmm. She's not allowed to speak to him more than 10 minutes. Yeah. And Logan is also strictly forbidden from Mr. entering Spear, the house from crossing the threshold of their house oh yeah that's such a good point right it's yeah. a huge point of tension in this book all logan wants is to get inside yeah. the spears house it's intense you you catch that thing at the end where he's like uh like they make up like right. they have this fight which they was like because marianne accuses him of stealing the cat <laughs> marianne does accuse him of stealing the cat but i would get there too man logan's being a real fucking asshole the but whole Ma- way martin also sets up this red herring in charlotte yeah Johansson, she, Anna Martin. What Charlotte Johansson comes over leaves. early in, and she's yeah. like, "Oh, I love this cat. I would love to have this cat." Yeah, that's all she says. Yeah. It's like, "I love your cat. I wish your cat was my Marianne own." Marianne was cat. like, "If you had five wishes, what would you wish for?" Yeah. She was like, "Tigger, tigger, 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 yeah. tigger." Yeah. So then it's a double fake out. Yeah. When then Marianne leads us to believe that it was Logan who stole the cat yeah. and gave it to his sister Carrie. Oh, I bought it. Did and you? like you I would because yeah. Logan is presented as this unknowable evil shadow on the universe in this book. Yeah. He's like a vampire. He's constantly trying to get into Marianne's house, oh, which is so like probably a pretty intense. potent metaphor. Yeah. For something. I don't even want to explore what. Oh, but Jesus. and then later on in that chapter, Marianne says there's a 10-minute limit on phone calls, mm-hmm. and if Logan comes over when dad isn't home, 
Logan has to say outside, he is not allowed in. Right. But I just am not able to break one of dad's rules. I'm afraid he'll find out somehow, magically, maybe. Like he's probably set like salt rings around his house. Yeah, uh, who fucking wouldn't with Logan worming his way into the tatters of his broken life with, yeah. like, Mrs. Spears gone. There's like, wards on the door. Yeah. No, I think that's fucking real. And right at the end of the book, they eventually make up Logan, Prince of Lies, just, like, whispers in her ear with his slick Louisville accent. Marianne, you, you can't stay mad at me. And Marianne's just like, I can't stay mad at you, Logan. And... She's like, oh, I guess our fight is over. We're made up, right? And he's like, yeah, we're made up. Uh, are the neighbors watching us? Yeah. And Marianne just like shakes out of it for a second. She's like, oh, uh, yeah, I think that's the point of you not being allowed in my house is that right. the neighbors can fucking watch us. And he's just like, oh, fuck. Okay, again. nope, next time. <laughs> next time. It's always next time. <laughs> oh, man, I'm fucking keeping an eye on this dude. Ugh, it's all so broken. Oh, this I thought. The whole town is so broken. I was so worried that Anna Martin was going to kill Tigger off. I was so worried. Best Fiends is a free-to-download, casual, mobile puzzle game with literally thousands of levels that is boredom's worst nightmare. And uh, if you guys don't remember, Tanner and I have been engaging in a friendly competition uh, between my group of fiends, uh, the... Jack's, Jack's jumping jerks, jerks, Jack's jumping jerks, and Tanner's tiny, tiny ticklers. ticklers. Yep. Um, and up until now, we've had some difficulties because while I have been playing through the game at quite a clip and advancing uh, and binging on the game and advancing mm-hmm. from level to level uh, and enjoying more levels, events, and challenges that are added all the time, um, Tanner, you've tended to have trouble um, getting your phone started. My phone wasn't working, but yeah. I have gotten it to work, Jack, okay. and I've, I've, I feel like I've caught up with you in... In best yeah. fiends. Um, okay, that's great to hear. And I'm really, I'm, I'm here to engage with you on it and and talk about kind of our experiences playing the game. I do love the game. I just had a lot of phone troubles up until now. Okay, well I'm glad. But you're now back I'm in. I'm embracing it. I'm playing it. I'm having so much fun with it. I love it. Okay, well I'll start. Uh, so one of my experiences playing the game that I really enjoy is um, I really like picking which fiends to use and oh, upgrading them that. and c- building a crack team as I go through the levels. My favorite is Mordecai. Okay, that's not one. It's my favorite fiend. What level are you on, Jack? I am somewhere in the 40s. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And yourself? Seven. The thousand. Okay, that's a lot. They do have thousands of levels, uh, and they do have updates all the time, so you can keep playing as much as you want. Yes. So that's what level I'm on, and I... I'm having a fun with it. It's me. It's Mordecai. Yeah. It's um, okay. That's not one of them. Well, maybe it's in the later levels. It's but, and, you haven't got there yet. Uh, it says here, what makes you want to keep at it? That's a good thing for me. It's just it's binge worthy, and it's like it's bite sized. You can just play like a little bit for like ten minutes uh, when you've got when you're waiting for the something whatever. To me, it's the feeling it gives me. If you know what I mean. No. Oh, just binge-worthiness. It feels so good to play. Yeah. And uh, when do you play? Only at night, baby. Okay. (laughs) Great. Perfect. Um, Only at night. Okay. Perfect. I'm starting to think that you still have not been able to get your phone started. I... I really want to play more. (laughs) Yeah. Jack, I do love the game. It's very fun, and we were competing, but... 
I have so many phone problems. Is it possible that you're f- holding your phone upside down? Tried that. Yeah. Okay. You know you can hold your phone sideways too? Yeah. <laughs> and I tried that as well because someone, I was, I was on the forums. I've been in touch with the makers of Best Fiends and I just... I, this is not their fault. I can tell you. This is not their fault. And the game is so fun. Yeah. I'm so interested in playing. Yeah. Okay. Have you tried turning your phone on? Oh. There's a button on that usually on the side. What do you mean on? Forget it. Uh, download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Holy shit. That's friends without the R. Best thing just lit up. Fiends. Okay. Well, this is great. Whoa. That's a lot of <laughs> notifications. <laughs> There's a fucking scene where Marianne is just like walking home from school and she just goes, I, I don't have the quote in front oh, of me, I've but she's it. like, oh, you I've got, got it. it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's pretty much. I got it because I wrote, what the fuck, Marianne? <laughs> it's so intense. Um, she's looking for Tigger. Yeah. I excused myself from the table, went to my room, got dressed, and then went out to search the yard. The clouds were gone and the day was sunny and bright but I couldn't find Tigger. I was glad there were no bodies in the road or under high trees, but where was he? And then, I'm glad like, there was no bodies yeah, in the road. Literally right after that. Under high trees. Literally right after that. Here's what she says. Dead, I said to myself as I walked along. Dead, dead, dead. I stuck a poster in a mailbox. Dead, <laughs> dead, dead. She's like the little boy from uh, <laughs> The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Like everywhere, she's just seeing like the animated ghost corpses yeah. of all these fallen people. Ugh. Well, this is a good segue into what the search for Tigger actually means. Like, what are they searching for? The cat Tigger. They're <sighs> missing. Yeah, obviously they're searching for the cat Tigger, but they're searching for Carrie. So... Carrie Bruno had him. Yeah, no, I know that. I'm aware of that, but they're searching for so much more. Okay. But we're on the same page. Listen, I'm not just making a cheap attempt at trying to say that this is a metaphor. And and Martin signals it for us with a beacon. And this is known in babysitter lore from history. If you look at the original cover of the Marianne and the Search for Tigger book, the first ever cover of it. Yeah, I've got it here on my iPhone. If you look at the bowl that says Tigger on it, on either sides are quotation marks. Okay. It's Tigger in quotes. Okay. So what does Tigger represent? Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for asking my question for me. I suspect Tigger probably represents Marianne's innocence. Sure. That may well be part of it. I kind of see it slightly the other way around. Marianne, if you'll remember early on in the book, strongly identifies with Tigger. Right. She's like, oh, I keep, I try to keep him safe. I'm super protective of him. And then she makes this point where she's like, oh, then I felt really bad about that because... That's what my dad that's what, does to me. That's what my dad does to me. He's super protective of me. And like, I need to let him have freedom. Okay. And then she lets him have freedom and he gets lost. He just disappears. Right. And so to me, when Marianne is searching for Tigger, that's what she's searching for, is this balance between the protectiveness of her father and the freedom that she could have if she ever grew up and went past it. But there's something that's deeply terrifying about that. Right. But everybody else who looks for Tigger finds something else, right? The grifter, Tigger for him, doesn't even exist. He acts as if Tigger exists. Tigger is in quotes for him, but Tigger is money. Like, that's what he's after. That's what drives him. Like, Tigger Tigger is is like power and greed and money. Um, and for Logan, Tigger is the love that Marianne is never going to give him. You think so? Marianne really likes Logan. 
she says that, right? And she's like, oh, he's incredibly incredible. But if you notice early on in the book, the first scenes with Marianne and Logan, where Logan starts being salty and shitty and off color and making shitty remarks and being like, you're a girl, you don't understand. Right. All Marianne is saying throughout that entire conversation over and over again is, look at what Tigger did. He's so cute. Look at what Tigger did. Oh, Tigger's like lying in a box now. It's so cute. Oh, Tigger just looked at me. It's so cute. Right. And Logan's just like rolling his fucking eyes. Cool it on the Tigger shit, nerd. Yeah, cool it on the Tigger shit. Yeah. And what Logan, I think, partially has realized is what Tigger is to Marianne, Logan will never be to Marianne. Right. And when he's searching for Tigger, what he's searching for is her love, and she's withholding it, and for good reason. It's not going to fucking work out. I just came up with something, man. Okay. And it spooked me out a little bit. Okay. Along these lines. Yeah. There's one other person who interacts with Tigger and Tigger's absence, and it's Mr. Spear who quickly dismisses it tigger yeah. goes missing and mr spears like oh i think he's probably just out on an adventure let's forget it and then later on marianne is like dad have you seen tigger yet and he's like nope uh he'll be back let's just forget about him and then the next morning she's like dad have you seen tigger and he's like nope tigger's gone <laughs> let's just forget about tigger and i wonder if somehow I don't know what oh, Mr. Spears' relationship with Tigger is, but I wonder if he's responsible for it. Because we never... Tigger got out, and we don't know how or why. Marianne's at a club meeting, yeah. and she comes home and tries to feed him. Oh, you think gone. he just like opened the door and let Tigger fucking disappear? Yeah, and I don't know why. I don't know what Tigger represents to him. What? Maybe Tigger is the love that Marianne would have had for her mother if I, her mother hadn't died. Here's where I went with that. Mr. Spear has already lost something that's close to him. Like, one of the reasons why he and Don's mom can't get it together is because it's pretty tough for him to relate normally to people. Right. He lost the love of his life, and the light went out of his life. Right. And so the idea of losing something Can I at interrupt all, you real quick? Yeah. Um, last week, you were in L.A., mm-hmm. and early on in the week, Monday morning, mm-hmm. I sent a message to our friends, Andrea and Aaron, mm-hmm. and said, just want you guys to know that Jack's out of town this week in L.A., so... I'm available for lunch. <laughs> Anytime you guys want lunch. Yeah. And also, just as an aside, the light is gone from my life. <laughs> and they both like reacted in kind. Yeah. And said like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah. well, we're happy to get lunch with you anytime you want. I tweeted that interaction and yeah. I got no less than 15 sex chat bot invitations that were like, <laughs> I'm here for you, baby. Just check out the link in my profile if you want to see my boobs. So wait, there is a, somebody who wrote a script for a chat bot that's like, anytime someone says like the light has gone from my life <laughs> on Twitter, like that's Imagine the Mr. trigger. Spear was alive today. It's like, my wife just died. It's just me and my daughter. The light is gone from my life. It's like, check out my boobs. <laughs> click the link in my profile. Oh, Mr. Spear. And if I can, Mr. Spear would click it too, just because he wouldn't He's know what like, the fuck was going on. Okay. Like, oh, God. Oh, that's terrifying. Anything to uh. pass the time. He's like two thirds of the way through a bottle of tequila, and he's just like, you know what? I can never love anything. And I'm going to let this cat out of the fucking house. Yeah. It's better if it just goes away now rather than that I fucking get attached to it and have to learn to deal with it later. Yeah. I think that's probably what happened. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's not quite the Mr. Spear that I have built up in my mind. Yeah. Well, um, you've built up this mythological Mr. Spear who's mostly just Jack Shepard. <laughs> yeah. I he, I so identify with him, um, which I guess is probably as good a segue as we're going to get to... A little segment that we like to do every week 
that is called Tearful moments. I can't not do the crying. Did you have any good ones this week? I had some some medium ones. It sounded to me you were you and I were were pre gaming a little bit. You were talking about we were just chit chatting about the book because at this point, what are you going to do? We both had the same book. How many times you cried at this children's book? And you were saying that you had a few good ones, so I'm going to let you lead. I had a couple, and I'm trying to decide whether the one that made me happy cry or the one that made me sad cry. Let's do both, man. Give me give me sad first. Okay, I'll give you sad first. Yeah, my sad cry moment. Who is? Marianne's over at the Babysitter's Club. Mm-hmm. She says, my cat has gone missing. What do we do? They immediately spring into action. Mm-hmm. And they say, yes, well, we can fix this. Christy literally says, the Babysitter's Club can do yeah. anything. Yeah. And Claudia jumps in. She says, I'll make a poster. I'll draw Tigger. And I'll put up a poster that says, like, gray cat, tiger stripes, 15 inches, responds to the name Tigger. Yeah. And Christy is like, I have an idea. I have an idea. Mm-hmm. What if we offered a reward? Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Yep." Christy's like, "I have five fifty. Jesse's like, "I have one seventy five. And they get to twenty five dollars. Yeah. And Don's like, "I tell you what, guys, the till is pretty full right now. Let's just round it up to an even thirty. Yeah. I shook my head, smiling. Who cared? I couldn't believe what my friends were doing. I just took four sixty one from the treasury. Don replied, "If we add it to the money we're donating, our reward will be an even thirty bucks." Won't that look nice on the poster? Five heads nodded, and I began to cry. Yeah. And that was the first tearful moment that got me. <laughs> the Babysitter's Club, Yeah, despite all their, their misgivings, despite all the tension, despite the Civil War three brief weeks ago, all rally behind the search for Tigger and muster 30 whole dollars, which, as we discussed earlier, is... Yeah. Roughly equivalent to forty-seven fifty. <laughs> yeah, just a fucking shitload of money. That was my actual tearful moment. My happy cry, tearful yeah. moment, is related. Mm-hmm. Later on in the chapter, Marianne, Marianne, he said urgently. I stooped to his level. What's up, Jamie? Nikki Pike said, if you find Tigger, you get $30. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. If I had $30, I'd buy 1,100 racing cars. <laughs> yeah. I sighed. Here we go again, I thought. But you know what, Jamie went on? I'd rather just have Tigger back. Yeah. I gave Jamie a huge hug. Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah, Your tearful moments were great. The shit that makes me cry is when Mr. Spear does <laughs> it's anything. Mr. With you. And for some reason, the moment where Marianne brings all of the photocopied God, sheets. God, I know exactly have, the reason why. Tigger's like. Because you were so much like Mr. Spear. She, like, like, she brings in these photocopies. Yeah, and he's, and he's like, like, I'll put them up. Yeah, he jumps to action, and he's like, I'll put them up. He's like, I'll give them to the neighbors. And my reaction in that moment was I was like, oh, God, I would fucking hate to do that. I would have to, but I wouldn't want to interact with the neighbors, and I would feel embarrassed. Yeah, It would feel like I was over-concerned about some, like, dumb emotional thing. Yeah. But Mr. Spear— And a moment later, Marianne's like, usually my dad doesn't like to do this kind of stuff because he doesn't want to seem over-concerned with some dumb emotional thing. (laughs) But he did it because he loves the fucking cat, and he loves his daughter. And he's consumed by the memory of his dead wife. Oh, it's always about that with you, huh? <sighs> God, if yeah. Sarah never dies, you're going to be a fucking wreck. Well, <laughs> thanks. And she's a friend of mine. <laughs> you're going to be a real pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs>
Jack uh, Shepard. Yes. Jazz. J- jazz. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me. You you tr- you tried to meet me there. Yeah. And then you realized I was doing your dumb nickname and you had to back off. <laughs> um did you mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. a <gasps> bird of the week? <laughs> I couldn't tell if we were trying to disharmonize or harmonize there. I was trying to harmonize with you, but every time I went to meet you, you would switch it up. Oh, I it's like for me, bird of the week bird of is the like. Week. That was beautiful. That was fucking gorgeous. Baby Nation, did you hear that? Sure Baby Nation. Out their Whatever you're doing right now. <laughs> I'm sure like right now, like a million baby bees and baby girls and baby boys, they were like cooking dinner with their headphones in or like sitting at work. They called their significant others in the room. Yeah. <laughs> like, most beautiful auditory moment in this history of sound ever just happened. <laughs> You must listen. Like whatever they were doing, just like stopped. <laughs> they got a brief glimpse of heaven. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome, Baby Nation. Did you have one? Uh, I wrote one down. No, I wrote it down. My burn of the week. I just looked at my notes. My burn of the week is something that you already tossed off as being really dumb <laughs> earlier in the episode. So now whoever is editing this is going to have to painstakingly go back and like put it back in <laughs> so they can keep me talking about this. <laughs> but it's when Logan, Logan puts fake money in the envelope for the grifter. Yeah. And the kid opens the envelope and he's like, holy shit, it's fucking Monopoly money. You fuckers. Like, I I wasn't going to get away with it anyway. And then Claudia just goes, well, it just goes to show crime really doesn't pay. (laughs) (laughs) And you, for some reason, you like tossed that line off earlier on. Because it's like a dumb, like McGruff the crime dog line. (laughs) I thought it was a real sick burn. (laughs) Did you have Gruff the crime dog in Maryland? Yeah, we we had McGruff, right? McGruff the crime dog. That was his line. Crime doesn't pay. Crime doesn't pay. Yeah, Yeah, but with McGruff, when McGruff was saying that, and Baby Nation, if you were born later than 1979, which is when I was born... You may not know who McGruff the Crime Dog was. He was but an animated dog who Ma- wore a trench coat and he fought crime. He's probably, he's probably long dead oh, by now. Oh, long dead. I mean, dogs, what, 18 live years? about 18 years if they're lucky? Probably a lot less than that. 12? Honestly. Yeah. Big dog like him? Yeah, big dog like McGruff. 10? Who's like, McGruff is like smoking cigarettes. Yeah. You know, he's obviously a chain smoker. Right. So he's already putting a cap on his. Anyway, that was sad. Why are we talking about? My burn of the week. No, hang on. <laughs> The thing about McGruff, the crime dog, is that when he says crime doesn't pay, what he's saying is just that. He's like, don't commit crimes. Right. When Claudia says crime doesn't pay, it's this hilarious double entendre. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, because she's holding Monopoly. Yeah. That's the fucking burn of the week. We got got. You got got, Grifter. My burn of the week is also a Claudia moment. Okay. (laughs) It's kind of a meta burn Mm -hmm. because no one actually states a burn. This is Marianne speaking of Claudia via Claudia's entry in the Babysitter's Club notebook. Mm -hmm. At some point, Claudia is babysitting for Mariah and Gabbers and asking them what they want to do. And they want to sing Christmas songs. Mm -hmm. So they burn through their catalog of Christmas songs. Yeah. And Claudia says, okay, what do you want to do now? And now Mariah went on as if she and Gabby were putting on a show We will perform the oldie but goodie Blue Suede Shoes by Mr. Elvis Presley. Claudia was even more impressed. 
Apparently, Mariah and Gabby knew an entire rock and roll song, and she didn't. Furthermore, for years, Claudia had thought the singer's name was Elbow Presley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just a burn like on Marianne Elvis. felt the need to just slip this in. <laughs> well, it's a burn on Elvis, and it's a burn on Claudia. Right. <laughs> Elbow Presley. Fucking Claudia. Well, you know where Claudia gets it from? Where? Old Eggplant's Mimi. <laughs> Cheesesteak Jake, cheesesteak Jake. <laughs> Elbow Presley. Elbow Presley. Um, who's that knocking at the door, Tanner? Do you want me to go check? I'll no, do. no, no. It's a rhetorical question. No, don't get up and no, don't. Get, no, you're gonna let my cat out. <laughs> no, I was asking you a rhetorical question. Oh, he opening the door. Made Jenkos come out. <laughs> come here, buddy. No, don't. We have this to measure you. This isn't an opportunity for you. We have to, to measure st- you. <laughs> This couldn't have gone more wrong. I just, I was asking a rhetorical question. I was going to lead into something, and then you, you immediately, you opened my door, and now you're measuring my cat. <laughs> I think Jenkins is probably 15 inches from head to anus. What door, Jack? The front door? No, Tanner. The closet door. Okay. What are you talking about? Okay, Claudia's Who's closet. closet door? Yeah. Claudia's closet door. Yeah. Claudia's closet. Good. I think Jenkins is maybe <laughs> 15 inches nose to anus. Not accounting for his tail. First but he's all, a big boy. He's a all, big cat. Don't talk about my cat's butt. So you don't want, to, you want me to measure? He's always showing off okay, his butt. Listen, I'll tell you something. At Baby Nation, Baby like, Nation, I want you to know, don't you dare address them. I'm addressing them. <laughs> Jack's cat prances around this place with his tail fully cocked in this way where his butthole is always showing he wears his tail in a jaunty fashion (laughs) do you want to measure him right now yeah i have a tape tape measure measure. if we measure him right now will you let me talk about what's in claudia's closet this week i want to measure him right now though okay i'll get a tape measure all right we're back all right we're back we're back uh we measured jenkins yep who keep in mind is a big boy yeah um, snout to anus, mm-hmm. he is 22 inches. Yeah, not including tail. Not including tail. So he and could eat Tigger for breakfast. Yeah, so I guess t- Tigger's pretty small. Yeah. Eh, go figure. Go. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a, that was a long <laughs> endeavor. Um, this week, Claudia was wearing a loose blouse with a fake coat of arms on it, worn over a short black skirt. Around her waist, a scarf. On her feet, Short black boots, dangling from her ears, dinosaurs. And her hair is piled on top of her head and held in place with hairpins that look like seahorses. Uh-huh. She combines all this stuff and looks fantastic. <laughs> it doesn't sound like she looks fantastic. It sounds like, it's like a fucking train wreck. I got, it's hard for me to picture it because it's like such a fucking hodgepodge. Yeah. But I got that she's dressed like Joan of Arc. <laughs> okay. You think Joan of Arc wore dinosaurs on her ears? Totally. Why not, right? It's like something that strikes fear into the hearts of men. Yeah, she's got this true. like coat of arms. Like raptor teeth. And she doesn't have a belt because she's out on the battlefield. And yeah. so she's just wrapped her scarf around it's her waist. Scarf. Yeah. 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 Um, and she's got dinosaurs dangling from those ears. Yeah. And that's what inspired and enraged a world full of men. Uh, and things, I guess, didn't turn out too well. Yeah, she was burned alive well listen we have great hopes for claudia we have great hopes for claudia's family yep obviously we hope everybody 
Mr. Kishi, Mrs. Kishi, yep. Janine Kishi, all doing great. Let's not oh, forget Mimi old... Kishi, of course. I almost forgot about her, but at this point, it just goes yeah. unstated. Yeah. Mimi Kishi is the foundation upon which this whole edifice is built. Yeah. And like, forever may she live and forever may she thrive. Yeah. God bless her and God bless America. Jack, what's the name of the next book? Next book, next week, we're going to be reading a book called Claudia and the Sad Goodbye. Okay. Uh, book number 26. Stacy leaving again? It sounds like. I'm just looking at uh, the book cover here. Yeah. For next week's book on iBooks. Yeah. It seems like it's Claudia talking to an elderly Japanese woman. Huh. Maybe it's a friend of Mimi's. Yeah. I mean, maybe she's leaving just, town. Maybe she's getting counsel from Mimi herself. Oh, about like how to say goodbye to this new friend she's made. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Claudia makes a friend. Claudia loses a friend. Claudia can't keep the people that she loves around. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. she hates her fucking sister. Her parents drive her too hard. Right. Her only friend, Stacy, left for New York. Right. All she uh, she is... tried to make another fucking friend in Ashley Wyeth, who showed up, and that was a total disaster. The literal only thing she has in right. her life, thank God. It's Mimi. It's Mimi. The only grandma. thing any of us has. Yeah. Well, forever may she live. Yeah. Long live Mimi. Long live the baby nation. Long live the baby nation. That's good. That feels good. Yeah. That feels like propaganda. Feel too good. Ugh. Yeah. Someday the baby nation will rise up. I literally can't wait. Um, hashtag, I'm with beefsteak. I'm with cheesesteak. Oh. Not going to lie, my man. No way. I'm with cheesesteak. You flip-flopped? Yeah. I flipped and I flopped. Whoa. Yeah. Well, hashtag, yeah. put in your vote, baby nation. <laughs> You're either... Hashtag team cheesesteak. Yeah. Or your hashtag team. I'm with beefsteak. I'm with beefsteak. Yep. yep. I have been team cheesesteak, Jack Shepard. I am hashtag I'm with beefsteak, Tanner Greenring. <laughs> this has been another episode of the Babysitter's Club Club. As stated, we're reading a Claudia book next week. You just can't you can't I, eloquently close a show. Can no, you? I can't eloquently close the show. We already I need talked to, about that. I need to ramp up into it a little bit and Every time I start to, you cut me off. As stated, next week we're going to be reading a Claudia book. That's exciting. Very exciting. Apparently she's saying goodbye to something or someone. Tune in to find out. Claudia is wearing a bra now. And the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult now it's time for babysitter's club club precocious rascal cheesesteak jake who's gaining in the polls don't look now well he's all controversy but, yeah yeah you know, just, he just lights up the news cycle. Just raising his... a ruckus. The media can't do anything but pay attention when he speaks. Oh, it's because everything he says is horribly racist. <laughs> good, good. This poor person is like, man, I really wish I hadn't left that <laughs> nice review. <laughs> well, it's their fault for coming after our sweet boy, Beefsteak Jake.